Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. If you're really truly saved, if you are a Christian, your life is going to show it. He's speaking about demonstrating that faith. What James is doing is he's focusing on the fruit of faith. What would help us if we would think of faith as faithfulness. Faith, full of faith, issues in faithfulness. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see Changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. The Apostle James was used by God to write this letter to the churches so that we could be straightened out on major theological doctrine. Today, Pastor Ed will be teaching us how salvation is only through the sacrifice of Jesus, but that when we truly have saving faith, it results in a transformed life. Our behavior should reflect what we believe. If we say we believe Jesus is coming again to this earth to receive us into His kingdom, we should be living a holy lifestyle in preparation for His return. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith! I'd like everyone to open their Bibles to the book of James, the second chapter. James chapter 2, verse 14. As we open our Bibles, we'll stand together and look at the biblical text. James chapter 2, beginning to read with verse 14. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version this morning. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith, but he has no works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothing and need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, be filled. And yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body. What use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. But someone may well say, you have faith, I have works. Show me your faith without the works. And then I'll show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one? Oh, you do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. The title of the message this morning is Authentic Faith. Authentic Faith. James is concerned that you have the real thing, that you really, truly have authentic faith. Not a false faith, not a superficial faith, or as he coins it, dead faith, but faith that is alive. It was a cartoon, and in this cartoon in a news magazine was a bulletin board, and the bulletin board was outside a church, welcoming people to come and visit that church or be a part of the fellowship there. This is what the bulletin board read. The Light Church, L-I-T-E, the Light Church. 24% fewer commitments. 
home of the 7.5 tithe, the 15-minute sermon, and the 45-minute worship services. We have only eight commandments, your choice. We use just three spiritual laws, everything you wanted in a church and less. Well, there are some that want a faith like that, a church like that. No challenge, no conviction, no change. Faith is not some type of superficial, philosophical thought that hangs in the air. No, it's something that changes the way we live. James, as it were, nails it to the church door and says, if you really are going to have a living faith, this is what it looks like. He gives us the principle in verse 14. What use is it, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but has no works? Can that faith save him? The Greek construction of this sentence is expecting a negative answer. He's expecting his audience, and it's set up so that they would say, no, that faith cannot save him. No, that faith doesn't work. And notice, the reason I use the New American Standard this morning is because it really portrays better what James is saying. It conveys better the meaning of the Greek language. Can that faith save him? He's looking back to chapter 1. He's looking back to what was previously said. He's saying, can that type of faith really save anybody? The answer is no. Theologians have debated. It split the church, this book, in some segments. Martin Luther, early in his life, felt it was a right straw strawy epistle, meaning that this wasn't an epistle with substance, but later on he better understood James and his perspective changed on the book of James. But what is Paul saying when he talks about justified by faith and faith alone, and James saying when he says uh, that type of faith, a faith that has no works is really not a faith that will save you. Well, Paul was speaking to a different audience than James. Paul was speaking to Gentiles who were converted to Christianity. And they were Judaizers, those religious Jews who wanted to keep the Old Testament law and wanted New Testament believers to look like an Old Testament believer following the Old Testament law. And so Paul was saying to them, wait a minute, you're saved by faith and faith alone. You don't have to follow Old Testament ritual, Old Testament law. You don't have to do that. That is not a means of your salvation. So he was speaking to an audience who was looking at the way of salvation. They were saying, how can we be saved? How can we know God? And he was saying, you can't do it through the works of the law because no one is justified. It's faith and faith alone. Now, James is speaking to a church who has their creed down and they have their doctrines right. And he's saying to the church, he says, listen, don't tell me that you have faith and you don't live like it. Uh, don't 
talk about the talk, walk the walk. Uh, So he's telling them that faith exhibits itself in a certain way of living. He's a master jeweler that's taken faith and he's looking at that diamond to see if that diamond is a true diamond. If it's really a diamond. If your faith is real, it just shows up. Remember the old song? The chorus that they used to sing in Sunday school? If you're saved and you know it, then your life will really show it. That's what James is saying. If you're really, truly saved, if you are a Christian, your life is going to show it. He's speaking about demonstrating that faith. What James is doing is he's focusing on the fruit of faith. What would help us if we would think of faith as faithfulness? Faith, full of faith, issues in faithfulness. If you really are a believer in Christ, if your faith is more than just a talk, it will be demonstrated in how you live life, in every aspect of your life. That's what James is saying. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 29. The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. We're not saved by our works. John Wesley, raised in a minister's home, went and started the holy club in college. He memorized most of the Greek New Testament. He could quote it from memory. He became a minister. He was a missionary to America. And he slept, he slept on dirt floors here in America to somehow gain merit with God. Now, going back over the Atlantic Ocean, he met some Arabian brethren, and they witnessed to him, and he realized he wasn't saved. And he was saved at Aldersgate when he heard the preface of the book of Romans read uh, that Martin Luther had wrote a commentary on. He realized that it was by faith and faith alone. So what Paul is saying is, don't put your trust in the things you do, in your works, in keeping the law. But put your trust in God and God alone, what he did on the cross. And James is saying, and they're fighting Back to back. They're not fighting each other. They're fighting back to back. James is looking at the church and is saying, you have faith? Well, where is it? You believe in God? Let me see it. Uh, James is very practical, you know. He's not going to let you get away with empty professions and self-deceptions. John Calvin said, We are saved by faith alone. But the faith that saves is not alone. We are saved by faith alone, but the faith that saves is not alone. That faith is connected to works. Works issue out of it. They just flow from the life of faith. You can't really believe in God and it not come through in the way you live and walk and live. He illustrates this. He takes us into the church. Now, you have to remember, the church in Jerusalem had suffered poverty. 
Many of them were persecuted and some lost their jobs and were boycotted because of their acceptance of Christ. There were famines in the lands. There were all sorts of problems that had come. And the Jerusalem church had suffered much in terms of uh, material things. And so they would send offerings uh, to the Jerusalem church. Here's an illustration that probably actually happened in James's time. In verses 15 to 16, he said, If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and be filled, and you don't give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Now think about this. Go in peace. That's the greeting in Israel to, the, to today. Uh, peace be with you. Uh, that meant be whole. May, may God meet your needs. So here's someone with dire need. You could see that it's not greed that they want your money, but it is re- genuine need. And so they have a genuine need. And someone sees them in the church, they're a brother or sister, and they say all the right things. Every intone of their voice is just right. Sounds compassionate. Sounds moving. Oh, may God bless you, my brother. May he meet every need that you have. If you don't do anything, James says, that's absolutely meaningless. It's empty. It has no significance. True faith has compassion, and compassion has action. John the Apostle looks at the same scene and says it this way. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need but has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? Dear children, let us not love with our word or tongue, but with action and in truth. The story is told in the days in England when people had horses as their main transportation, uh, it said one man saw a horse and it had died on the road and, and all of his neighbors had gathered around to help and comfort this man and uh, they were just comforting the guy and trying to help him because this was his main means of transportation. And so one man just said, uh, I care five pounds. And he took his hat and he put five pounds in the hat. And then he passed it to the person who was uh, saying the most about his concern for this man who just lost a horse. How much do you care? Does our compassion impact our wallet, our checkbook, our time? Does it Make a difference in the way we live. That's what James is telling us. It's not a matter of saying the right words. It's not a matter of being religious. It's a matter of doing and living and expressing it in tangible ways. Failure to provide for an obvious need not only harms those who are in need, But it also raises questions about the spiritual state of the one who fails to act to relieve the need. Think about that. Last night on the phone, I was talking to Sister Teresa Greenhall. Sister Teresa's back from India, 
and we spent time on the phone praying together, talking about things. And she told me how this past year they've seen lepers come to our Lord Jesus Christ. And she says, in the pictures you'll see that they don't have fingers, many of them, and just stubs there. But she said, it's beautiful, they've accepted Christ. And she's talking about how children are being delivered from brothels and all sorts of things are happening. And she expressed appreciation for our church and how we give. But I was thinking, this woman really lives her faith. She really lives it out in, in giving her life away. Let me ask you a question. How would you have responded? The story is told about a church. It was packed. It was filled. Even more so than ours is this morning. And in the service, two men walked in with Dark, black, drenched coats, raincoats. They stood in the back. Then they opened up the raincoats, and they took out machine guns. They said, if you are willing to take a bullet for Jesus, remain here. The church cleared out. The choir cleared out. Part of the pastoral staff left. The deacons were out the door. And deaconess, just 20 people left in the church. And then they said, preacher, we could have church now. The unbelievers have left. (laughs) Now, think about that. When Christianity started off, people willingly gave their lives and wouldn't deny Jesus Christ. And they counted it a privilege being a martyr. They willingly laid down their life. What is this Christian faith about? Is it about making you and me more comfortable on the journey? Is it about somehow being some salve for our hurting hearts? Somehow a God that meets our needs as we perceive them? Or is it about a commitment that takes us out of our comfort zones and willingly causes us to sacrifice and to live for him? That's what James is talking about. He's talking about a faith that makes a difference. Listen, on the judgment day, when people stand before God, A question, rather, a statement is going to be made. Listen to Jesus' words. He pictures the end times when the peoples and the nations will be gathered before him. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison and you did not look after me. They will also answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or needing clothes or sick or in prison and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. 
when we stand before Almighty God in the end day and the judge of all the earth judges men, he's going to see at that time, is your faith real? Did it make a difference in the way you lived your life? Did it make a difference in the way you spent your days? you're saved and you know it then your life will truly show it does your life show it would there be enough evidence to convict you of being a Christian if you took away your church attendance would people really believe that you were a follower of Jesus Christ if they took away the fact that you attend church That's what James is talking about. Douglas Moo, a commentator, said, not that works must be added to faith, but that genuine faith includes works. It's not, I'm going to work my way to heaven, but it's rather the real genuine faith exhibits itself in a lifestyle of works. We were created, Paul tells us in Ephesians, unto good works that God preordained. We were created to work, to serve, And that's what James is looking at. He's saying, your life ought to show it. Now, here is the application in verse 17. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. You cannot sever faith and works. You can't do it. Now, you can't trust in works because works aren't going to get you to heaven. And I'm not trying to make a plea we want you to work more in the church I want you to do another thing in the church. I'm not saying that at all faith your faith in God will cause you just to serve it may be in a public way it may be in a private way it may be giving to an offering like we took when we gave to those who are the victims of Katrina or other special, or it may be simply taking money out of your pocket and giving it to another brother or sister that you know is in need. But it will express itself. And James is saying, you can't separate faith and works. I like the way C.S. Lewis put it. He said, regarding the debate about faith and works, it's like asking which blade in the pair of scissors is most important. Isn't that good? If you were to take one of the blades away, you no longer have a scissor. Couldn't operate, couldn't cut. We are not saved by works. We are saved for works. Now, James pictures in verse 18 someone interrupting him, saying, wait a minute, James. Listen, I have the gift of faith. Maybe you have the gift of works. Uh, that's what he pictures in verse 18 if you read the verse it says this and let me read it to you but someone may well say you have faith and I have works then he says show me your faith without your works and I'll show you my faith by my works and then James all of a sudden goes into theology because he knows that's where the person's coming from He, he gives an illustration In verse 19, you believe that God is one. What he's referring to here is the Shema, where they would, every good Jew, when he would get up in the morning, he would say, oh, here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Oh, that was considered so important in Jewish theology. 
He says, you believe God is one? That's good, very good. And what else does he say? You do well. The demons also believe, and they shudder. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.